why did I turn myself off? Hey, the, the last person on that video is my wife, Becky, and she has definitely struggled with fear all her life. And uh, so I want to explain, when we're talking about in this series, quitting fear, what we're not talking about is never feeling the emotion of fear, worry, anxiety, or stress ever again. Okay, so it's not about getting rid of that emotion. It's really kind of like, it's kind of like breaking up with a, a toxic boyfriend or girlfriend, right? When you break up with a toxic girlfriend or boyfriend, it's not like they cease to exist. That would be called murder, okay? It's <laughs> not a breakup, right? You'll still see them. You still may have feelings for them, but, but you don't, like, they're, they're not controlling your life. They're not there haunting you every moment. Like, you know, it's, it's a breakup. And so that's what we want to do in this series for the next three Sundays and today is talk about how you can quit and break up with fear and not let fear, anxiety, worry, stress, whatever you call it, control your life. And so to help you remember to do that, we're going to play a Taylor Swift breakup song. <laughs> now, the, another pastor had this idea, and I thought, that's a great idea. I thought there was one. Taylor Swift breakup song. <laughs> and when I saw top 10, you know, I realized I needed help, so someone found this one. They were so depressing, but this one was kind of, <laughs> someone else found it for me. This was kind of encouraging. So when you hear this song from this day forward, okay, you're not supposed to think about Taylor Swift. You're not supposed to think about dancing animals. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but it's in the video. And you're not supposed to think about uh, that toxic boyfriend or girlfriend that you had and broke up with. What I want you to think about whenever you hear this song from this day forward is how God wants you to break up with fear. Let's listen. And that will go through your head for the rest of the day. You won't remember everything, anything I said, but you'll remember we are never, ever getting back together. So um, here's the thing. I, I wish it was as easy to break up with fear as it is breaking up with a girlfriend or boyfriend, right? But, it, but it's not. Um, fear is a gangster, right? It is a monster that just wants your soul, and, and it's a parasite, right, that sucks the life out of you. It drains you. It makes you sick. This is an engorged tick with eggs. Isn't that awesome? This is a person. God made ticks so we would understand what fear does to us. I think that's the only reason, you know, just, just a personification of the sin of fear. And again, fear, fear is, not, is not the emotion. And so for the next four, sun, next three Sundays, and this Sunday as well, we're gonna talk about different principles in God's word, different ways that we can beat fear. And it is such a monster that this is not multiple choice. I, I don't think you say, well, you know, of these you know, five or six different ways to you know, fight against fear, I'm gonna choose this one because it's easy, I'm gonna choose that one because it's nice. I think what we do is we got to level all the guns at it, like in just open fire on fear to get it out of our life because that's what it'll take. It'll take everything you have to overcome your fear. 
And, and so I want to move off that slide because it's so ugly. So Jesus talks about fear in Matthew chapter 6. And even if you don't believe the Bible is God's word, and even if you don't think Jesus was God, you have to admit that he was the most influential human being in human history. And you take the, other, the 10 other most influential people, you put them all together, and Jesus had a greater impact on this world and on people than all 10 of those put together and was an amazing teacher. And here's what he teaches about fear. He says, no one can serve two masters. And when I talk about fear, some of you have different words for the fear in your life. Okay, for me, the word would be stress. If you were to say, are you a fearful person? I'd say, no, I'm not fearful. Some of you, you'd say, no, I'm not fearful, but I worry a lot. Okay, that's just a different flavor of fear. Or I don't worry, or I'm not afraid, but I just have this anxiety Okay, that's another flavor of fear. When I was in seminary, so seminary is kind of like, it's like getting a master's degree in Bible and church stuff. And so in, in high school, I got A's without studying. In college, I got A's with studying. In seminary, I got B's and studied my brains out, you know. And so the end of my first year of seminary, uh, I did not realize it, but I had procrastinated a little bit. And so I had all these projects that needed to be due and papers, and I had these tests and exams. Uh, and and I had a virus on my computer. And so several of the project, the papers that I had done and when almost completed disappeared. Now this was like in the dark ages, almost 30 years ago. So we didn't know a lot about viruses. I certainly didn't know about viruses. I thought maybe I didn't save it. You know, I didn't hit save. Like, oh, I can't believe I didn't hit save. I thought I hit save, but you know, and I just, but, and the, what, what made me realize is it was I rewrote a paper for the second time and I hit print and it disappeared. And I'm like, oh. you know, so, so I was so stressed out. I broke out in a rash all over my body and my urine was brown. So, I, and, and so there's three ways we can respond to fear. And I would have called it stress, but what it was was a fear of other people thinking I was a failure. Right, what are my friends gonna think if I flunk all these courses? What are my professors who are almost my friends gonna think? What is my fiance, who I am marrying in two months, gonna think? Oh, I'm gonna lose all this money, and what's my father-in-law gonna think? What are my parents gonna think? What are, you know, and I was just afraid of what other people would think of me, and it just, the stress just uh, started to break my body. There's, there's three ways you can respond to stress, anxiety, worry, fear. You can stuff it, and if you stuff it, your body will keep score. You can push it off on others through angry outbursts and just, you know, just, just, just giving that emotion away in that way. That's not a good plan either. Or the third way is what Jesus is talking about and getting rid of fear at the source. So he starts talking about this. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. And you might be like, Bob, wait a minute. We're talking about fear. Why, why are, you, you, you got the wrong verse up there. This is about money and, and masters and devotion. And, and this is where Jesus is particularly brilliant. He is going to make a connection for us between what we are devoted to and what we're afraid of. And he goes on to say this in the very next verse. Therefore, I tell you, therefore is a connecting word, because you can't serve both God and money, here's what happens then. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, 
and the body more than clothes. Here's what he's saying. What you are devoted to reveals, is revealed by your emotions. And so if you're scared of, for me, it was fear of people thinking I'm a failure. That was what I was devoted to. I was devoted to that maybe even more than God. I was devoted to that more than a lot of other things. And so my emotion revealed my devotion. So it's like a little warning light in your car. Your emotions act like that, and it, and it brings your attention to something. And so as you think about your life, and this is really true, like I am, I am not devoted to your kids' problems, right? I'm not devoted to your debt. I'm not devoted to your job. I'm not devoted to your relationships. I'm devoted to my kids. I'm devoted to, to my relationships. I'm devoted to, you know... So our emotions reveal our devotions. And in, in this passage of Scripture, when Jesus uses the word worry, it's actually a compound word in the language he's speaking here in Greek. It's, it's, uh, the one word is for divided, and the other word is for mind. So worry is a divided mind. And, and anything, Jesus said this earlier, he said, a house divided against itself that will not stand. A country that's divided, civil war, it'll be a disaster. A mind that's divided is the same way. You know, when you're worrying, you're in the present, your mind's in the present, but your mind's also in the future, in the what ifs and, and what might and, and this and that, and, and, and we, we can't have a divided mind. So Jesus is going to tell us how to quit worry, and the first thing we need to do if you want to quit worry is to confront the lie. And I think the lie is, I think the biggest lie is, is when things are out of my control, they're out of control, right? So when we're afraid, when in my situation in seminary, it, it was, there were things out of my control. I, I, I had deadlines that I could not control. I had things that, there were some that I could control, but it was just, the computer was just taking that control away from me, and, and it just made me start, I could not control what other people thought of me. Like, you, you can't, and, and so that's, that's what the lie is. And, and so here's how Jesus confronts that lie with two true things. He says, first, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are, they not much more, are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? So he's two, two truths to confront the lie of worry. Number one, God does care for you. He cares for birds that, that you know, they're nice, they're pretty, but, but really there's, there's billions of them on earth and God cares for every single one of them. And he says he cares so much more for you. So that's the first lie we need to realize is that God actually does care for you. He, he, he's not distant, he's not absent. He loves you, he knows you, and he cares about you. The other lie that this is talking about is can any of you add by worrying add a single hour to your life? Worry does us no good. So I've talked to several people who've told me this about their worries. They say, you know, I'm worried that there's a worry I'm not thinking of. <laughs> this is legitimate. I mean, we laugh, but this is how people think. Maybe you're laughing because this is how you think. And, and, and they're, they're saying, okay, so, so this is kind of how their mind works is most of the things I worry about don't happen. So it works. 
Like on some emotional level, we think that all these things I worry about, maybe because I worried about them, they didn't happen. And so, but maybe there's something I should be worrying about that I'm not, and then it's going to happen. It's just ridiculous, right? We don't, we don't logically think this way, but I think emotionally, sometimes we think this way. If I let go of this worry and fear and anxiety, I'm not holding it in front of you. It's going to sneak around behind me, and somehow I'm going to going to get hurt more and somehow, uh, you know, things will be more out of my control. Here's the truth. You are totally, almost completely out of control of most of the things in your life, right? You can only control what you do right now. Can't control what you did in the past. Can't control what anybody else does. And so Jesus is saying two reasons why you shouldn't worry. Number one, The lie that God doesn't care is not true. God does care about you. You can trust him. When things are out of your control, they're in his control. And then worry doesn't help. So tell worry you quit by, number one, confronting the lie and then confessing the worry. Um, Jesus says, back to verse 25, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What a great recommendation from, from Jesus, right? What a great suggestion, It's not a suggestion. It's not a recommendation. It's a command. He's saying, don't worry. Now, here's the problem. There is a difference between, there's a fine line between temptation and sinfully indulging in that temptation. So he's not saying, you should be racked with guilt for having random thoughts of fear and worry just fly over your head and bombard your mind. No, no. We can't stop random, unwelcome thoughts from coming. And this is not only true about worry, this is true about anything else. Hatred and anger. I mean, just, you, you don't have to, like, think, you know, I really want to be angry about something right now. Let me, let me think. What it, no, just out of the blue, angry thoughts might come into your head or hateful thoughts or revengeful ideas, and, and, and that's a temptation. It's not wrong. But it is wrong if you're like, yeah, let me, let me take that thought for a walk. <laughs> let me play that out. You know, pull out the sleeper couch for that thought, man. And I'm going to, yeah. And, and that's what we, Martin Luther was uh, an ex, uh, he was a Catholic priest and then, and then uh, quit the Catholic church, started the Lutheran church. But one of the things he said about, about these kinds of things, and he says you can't, he said it much more eloquently than me, but basically said you can't stop a bird from flying over your head and pooping on you but you can stop it from building a nest in your hair. And so this is true about temptation and and sin. And so lustful thoughts, right? You cannot stop a a lustful thought from from bombarding, you know, flying overhead, bombarding your mind, but you can stop that second thought and following up with it. This is the same with fear and worry. You you might not be able to stop the, the flyover, but you can stop the nest. And so that, that's what we need to confess. Don't confess the, you know, and in those out, temptation moments, we need to just cry out to God. Say, God, help me. And then move our mind to something else. Jesus actually in the same chapter, a few verses earlier, he, he, he explained, you know, you don't need to be like the pagans. They think they'll be heard because they use a lot of words. When, when the pagans were praying to Zeus or Apollo, they really weren't sure if Zeus was paying any attention. And so you got to pray for a long time because maybe he was sleeping and maybe he was off on some terrible adventure or whatever and wasn't really paying attention. And, and so they thought, man, volume of prayer helps. Jesus said, God's not like that. You don't need to talk him to death. He is attentive to every word. 
if you say, God, help me, and then bounce your mind to think about something else. Addiction's the same way, right? You don't have to, you, addiction, temptation comes out of the blue. You don't, you're not asking for it, and there's nothing wrong with the temptation. What's wrong is if you then start thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, I could go for one of those right now. Oh, that, that's the sin that needs to be confessed and uh, jumped away from in our own minds. So tell worry you quit. Confront the lie, confess the worry, and then this is kind of like the lie, but just so important, believe God is faithful and caring. God does care about you. And, um, and he's there for you. Why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. God gives beautiful clothes to grass. I don't know if you've ever taken the time to, to actually go out to your lawn. There's many times these tiny little flowers in the grass Another thing's daisies. These are just wild, right? They just, you, they just grow on the side of the road. I asked someone in our church to send me pictures of wildflowers just from this area. Queen Anne's lace. Queen Anne's lace is not one flower. It's like dozens of flowers inside of one bigger flower. It's just beautiful, right? Even the lowly dandelion. You know, the bane of... I, I used to... Yeah, I don't care anymore. Um, but it's beautiful, Right, it's beautiful. Tiger lilies, again, grow in ditches. You know, we don't, and, and there's just so, God, so, so often I think we look at the beauty of creation, we look at the power of creation, and many people worship it because it's so amazing and so awesome. But this is just a reflection of our Heavenly Father who's so much greater. And if He cares about tiger lilies, He cares about you. And, and he's gonna take care of you. And, and the problem is you look back on your life and sometimes you don't see that. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Here's the difference between little faith and great faith. If you don't have faith or a little faith, you say, I don't believe a good God would let that happen. I just don't believe it, which means God is not good or he's not around. There's no such thing. Faith says it this way, I don't understand how a good God would let that happen. And the difference between a lack of faith and faith is the humility of realizing that maybe I'm not as smart as the God who created the universe. Can any of you make a self-replicating bird? Any of you, you know, tinkering and just in your, out in your shed, make a hummingbird that can have more hummingbirds replicate itself, make the, the flight from Florida across the Gulf of Mexico to Mexico, or from Alaska can make the flight you know, all the way down into Mexico. Can any of you make birds like that? No, why? You have the tools. You have the creation. God could do it, why can't you? He's a little bit smarter than we are. And by a little bit, like he's on a, Another level above the other level that's above the, you, you know, it just, we can't fathom how smart God is. And yet in our lives, when bad things happen, we think we can. We think we know. We think we got it all figured out. And there just can't be a God. 
You know, we, we, we have to trust him. His goal is to mold your character. And sometimes that hurts. And to mold the character of others. And sometimes we don't know. It's a, it's a windy path and we might not understand his decisions. But, but faith says, you know what, he does. But I believe that a God who loves grass loves me. The bigger your God is, the great thing about this is the smaller your problems and your fears become. So this is how he wraps it up. Don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. That is, if money is your master, you're gonna worry about what I'm gonna eat, what I'm gonna wear, where I'm gonna go. If, if, if pleasing other people is your master, you're gonna worry about what they're thinking of you, and he's saying, you know, you don't have to worry about that. Here's what you have to do. One thing, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So that's the last way to fight fear, is to seek first what will last. And, and what lasts? More and better disciples last. More people more like Jesus. That, that's, that's what God wants. That's what his kingdom is all about. And, and so to, to do that, and uh, I wanna encourage you to do that in one particular way today especially. Um, certainly if you, if, you, if you wanna overcome your fears, you gotta get to know the God who loves you and cares about you. Get to know him better. Get your eyes on, on him and who he is, and I think one of the best ways to do that is through God's word. Start in the book of Matthew, if you don't know where to start. Start in the book of Proverbs, another great place. Read one chapter a day, depending on what day of the month it is. You know, just, just get into God's word. But another thing I really wanna challenge you to do is to pray. And um, once a year, we have a day of prayer and we've always done it, a 24-hour day of prayer where we pray for 24 hours straight. And um, I just have been evaluating that, and I, I, think, I think it'll be better if we pray for just 12 hours straight. And the point of this is not so we have bragging rights to say, we prayed for 24 hours, because half the time there's a half-hour slot here or there that doesn't get prayed for anyway, and so, you know, we don't, we don't make the goal. But I want to pray for 12 hours straight from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., um, on Sunday, May 7th. And, and here's the reason I'm shrinking it down is because one of the best things about the day of prayer is it teaches us how to pray by being with other people who are praying and, and people who have incredible faith and people who pray with passion. So we're, we have sign-up sheets at the Welcome Center that you can sign up for half-hour blocks of time to pray. And you might be like, praying for a half-hour? So there's like no prayer request time. If you have a prayer request, just pray it. Other people will hear you. And, and they'll maybe join in and pray with you about that thing. Um, but it's just solid prayer the entire time. Sometimes it's quiet in the room where you can pray quietly. Sometimes people write down on a, on a sheet of paper a prayer and leave it for others to read and to pray as well later or, or just leave it. And, and you know there's different pieces of paper on the table, different ideas of what to pray about. And I'm telling you, the vast majority of the people who go in to pray for a half hour are like, what? it's been 45 minutes. I, I can't believe a half hour went that quickly. I had one person say, I thought I'd stay for 15 minutes. I stayed for an hour and a half. And so I, I just want to encourage you to pray because God hears our prayers. And when we're focusing our mind on God, we're not looking at our problems. 
Blessed riddance, right, to not be focusing on your fears. And so I really want to encourage you to do that. And even as we close, we're going to close in a song, and we're going to have people up front. And if you want to be a part of this, come and talk to me, and, and I'll have you be one of these individuals who stands up front, has a little card, I will pray for you. If there's anything you need prayer about this morning, we want to be here, and we want to pray with you this morning. Uh, because th- this is how we overcome fear. We take our fears to God. And we focus on him and we remember who he is and how much he loves you more even than grass. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for these, these men who were baptized and who just have surrendered their lives to you. God, I thank you that, that you care about us. I thank you for, for the cross. I thank you for the resurrection. I thank you for heaven. I thank you for the life that you've given each one of us right now. I thank you for so much and all your blessings. And God, most of all, I thank you that we can trust you with our fears, with our problems, with our difficulties. God, I just, I just ask that you would... Um, Just give us victory over fear. Lord, I I look out and I see a woman who I know she struggles with fear. I'm so thankful that she's here, that she had the courage to come this morning again. God, just, just help us to do that one step at a time. Break up with fear. In Jesus' name, amen.